This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. When we found out we were getting this dynamic duo on the show, we pinched ourselves twice. Our next guests have found a way to turn the most unlikely pairing into game-changing innovation. We'd love to welcome Amanat and Shubham to the show today. After discovering that over 1.5 million children were dying every year because of preventable diseases, Amanat and Shubham were determined to create change. So naturally, they did. Enter Sopin, a soap that kids can draw with. Yes, you heard that right. By combining colourful pens with liquid soap, this unlikely pairing now makes hand washing super fun for kids and ensures that their hands a squeaky clean. In today's episode, Amanat and Shubham reveal how they discovered the idea for Sopen, how we can learn to put ourselves out there and why we should admit our failures more often. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, to your Facebook story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that we know that you're listening in. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the founders of Sopen. Hello, Amanath and Shubhath. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so excited to be here. Awesome. Love it. So, you know, Amanath, you and I connected on LinkedIn very recently. And when I looked into you and and what you guys are doing at Sopen, I was so intrigued and I wanted, I definitely wanted to have you on the show. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Of course, we're huge fans of the podcast. Love that. Great. So look, before we dive in, um, but for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Sure. So Shubham and I, we both grew up in India, um, in New Delhi, and we met here in New York at college at the Parsons School of Design. And right after we graduated, we were, you know, right before we started our jobs, we were looking at competitions online, things we could do with our summer. And we found the UNICEF Wearables for Good Challenge, where we learned a really shocking statistic that over 1.5 million children under the age of five die every year due to infectious illnesses that can be prevented by just washing your hands with soap. And we grew up in India and we we knew it was a problem, but we're fortunate to not have faced that ourselves. And went into our designer minds and we're thinking, whatever we do, we need to make this fun. Otherwise, we're not going to feel involved or connected. And it also has to work for kids. 
Um, so we just entered completely random. We just decided to enter the competition with only an idea. We had a rendering, no idea on how we're going to manufacture this, prototype it, make a business out of it, any of it. And we just entered and ended up winning and were shocked. Um, but we realized that was a really good opportunity for us to take this forward. Um, so we started with that UNICEF funding and um, now we're selling on Amazon and a, a, a bunch of retailers here. I love that. And your story, I've looked into it quite deeply. It's just, it's so cool how it just came from this one idea, this this one statistic that you saw and you just kind of thought, well, we've got to do something about this. You kind of took it on your own, own backs. So look, before we dive a little bit deeper into um, into the business and exactly what you guys are doing now. I want to talk a bit more about where you guys grew up, mm-hmm. your experiences. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in India. Yeah. Honestly, as Manit said, we were really privileged to not have problems like not having soap in the bathroom. Um, we came from families where we understood the importance of hygiene and hand washing with soap. Um, But there was definitely a sense of cause fatigue growing up. You see a lot of problems around you, but you're not sure how to address them. Um, At least for me, I lacked a certain creativity um, in that aspect. So it was cool to go to Parsons. We both went to the industrial design program, which essentially you can call it you can call us problem solvers. So we look at a problem and we're like, okay, how can we look at this from a different angle? Um, How can we make the user come first? Um, So it was really great to come to Parsons for this education and then be able to go back and look at problems from a different angle. So in a way, like our perspective on how we handle things changed a lot after school. Mm. I love that. And so prior to even coming to, to the US and, and getting to Parsons and it's like one of the best design schools in the world. You know, what what were some of the things that you loved to do as children? Did you ever build things and, you know, get get your hands dirty and make all that happen? Yeah. yeah, I feel like for me, at least, there wasn't a lot of building in terms of physical prototyping. I think the US is pretty unique to that where you have all these workshops and all these shops that you could, or you could, you know, learn pretty early on. But there was always a lot of focus on arts and craft, like not as much crafts but actual painting and in my mind I feel like I didn't even know that industrial design was an option or what it was it was a very singular vision of okay this is art there's graphic design and that's about it Um, but yeah I mean always loved art and design but I think I didn't fully know much about design until I really came here Mm -hmm. same I I went to Parsons my whole idea was I wanted to be a uh, book cover illustrator <laughs> literally that's what I came to Parsons for um, and then I came to school and so we're required to go through a foundation year where um, you're exposed to 2d 3d graphics like everything uh, under the sun you get like a little crash course um, and I realized that I love working with my hands on physical things um, both of us were pretty we've worked on projects before so Ben on woodworking projects on metalworking projects so um, we're 
we realized we were a good team before we started Soapen, which was important. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I think it's always so funny, isn't it, when we head into university or, you know, the schools we go to and we think we're going to do one thing and we come out doing something completely oh, different. Yeah, absolutely. What was your time like at Parsons individually mm-hmm. and together? Yeah. I mean, someone was recently talking about expectations versus reality while you're in school. And I think that's so true. Like you expect it to be something it totally isn't. Um, And you're always trying to compare it to that expectation and trying to make it that. But I think just because the school was so many international kids, a lot of people were really driven. Not saying that international kids are more or not, but I just, I think because they're away from family, away from a lot of distractions, even though you're in New York and there's a gazillion distractions, it just feels, it felt like um, it was really intense, the four years. Um, And I think everyone was insanely hardworking. I think the work ethic that we learned there, I don't think I would have learned anywhere else. I completely agree. I think art school is one of the hardest places to be. It's a lot of work and you're not just putting, it's like very personal work too. You're not, you know, reading off of a book. You're not memorizing anything. It's not rote learning. There's so much of yourself involved in your book, in your work that it's, um, it's very intense. Uh, I think I appreciated the diversity the most as well. Just meeting people from Costa Rica, from Pakistan, from India, yeah, from you know all corners of the world we could I could honestly hit up someone from my Facebook <laughs> Parsons group and be like hey I'm gonna be visiting this continent are you gonna be around you know it's it's really amazing um being a in New York City and around all these people from different parts of the world wow I think the biggest thing the biggest gift we can be given is different perspectives from people from who've lived and grown up in different parts of the world and that's why I love doing the show overseas because you get these different perspectives and you get to meet people who've had a very different upbringing to you or you know different experiences and and whatnot so talk to us a little bit about what you think what was the greatest learning that you you got from being surrounded by all these amazing people from different parts of the world I think I learned to be a sponge, just absorbing people. You might not agree with them. Um, we would have, you know, critiques at the end of a project. Um, so learning people's perspective about your work, being open to criticism. Um, I'm, I was, a, you know, growing up very defensive. I'm the younger child, so you know, there's like the sense be. of <laughs> there's the sense of like being a warrior. But um, I feel like I le- really learned to accept criticism and um, look forward to getting some feedback on my work yeah I think for me it's it's a lot simpler it's just being able to have a conversation with anyone I think you just get you so used to being people around people that you know you might not know very much about but being able to strike up a conversation about absolutely nothing (laughs) is just I think it's just a skill that gets built over time Um, and I and over time I realized really the value of that I think overall I'm pretty introverted I don't like to you know I rather just be by myself in a lot of situations. And for that reason alone, I've learned the value of having a community and all of that. I love that. And what do you think, how can we build our community? You know, you guys are so fortunate to just find yourself in this amazing community. For those of us who aren't as fortunate or in different situations, how can we find those people and build that community? I think we've also built community in stages. I think, you know, 
the Parsons community, and then after that, um, being part of incubators. And then now, just in our co-working space, we just look for connections and um, have become, uh, we value, I at least value yeah. community a lot. Um, not just that, you know, I've realized um, there are some so many Facebook groups out yeah, there I was just gonna say that Facebook. are just amazing. Uh, I'm a part of a group called Dreamers and Doers, um, another speaking group called Badassery. We just got on a, a portal, a wholesale portal that has its own maker um, Facebook group. So it's people are always there to help you, no matter what question you might have. Um, it's like, you know, ask this and there'd be so many contributors. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Seriously with Facebook, it's actually surprising. I'm always shocked when I'm like, Oh, I'm on Facebook doing work. Yeah. <laughs> I used to hate Facebook. Yeah. I don't know. I, the past three, four years I've gotten to this point where I'm like, I don't like Facebook. It's so uncool. <laughs> Only my grandmother's on it, <laughs> but it's pretty cool how there's a big community of entrepreneurs and groups yeah. now. And I think in, most major cities just meetups itself are so huge and you just there's they're so cool too even if you don't want to go out there and build the community you just learn so much from the speakers and whatnot yeah it helps us get out of our own head too yeah it's cool to go meet other people understand what they're working on gives you ideas about your own so it's pretty awesome yeah i love that and i think also as founders when you're building something you're often on your own or just yeah. for you two, it's just together and then yeah. that's kind of it. And that's definitely been my experience in this game. And I'm a solo founder, so it's just, mm. you know, how do you bring those right people around and, and meetups? And I'm a, also a huge fan of the Facebook and LinkedIn has really been throwing it out <laughs> yeah. at me recently. I mean, it's the reason yeah. why we've connected and so many of my guests today. So I love that. Um, okay, great. So I want to dive a bit deeper into the early days of SoPen. So you guys obviously met at, you know, Parsons, you worked together, I'm guessing. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about your relationship and how this worked out. Yeah, I think, I mean, our program was really small. So at some point or the other, everyone kind of has a group project together. And being from the same country, we obviously connected a lot more, a lot faster and easier. Um, so we always we always found that we had a lot of differences in the way we worked, but we a lot of our values were really similar or like we were able to always talk about our outcomes and not make it, you know, it was just always very easy in that sense. So she's a lot more punctual and things like that. And I was like, oh, I, I value that. Like, <laughs> I need more of that around me. So I think we were just able to find different, even though we have the same skills, we were able to find certain things or certain elements that were different in each, each other and be able to rely upon that from the other person. Yeah, and I think as we've, uh, you know, worked together for longer, we've realized that that actually translated into things that we'd like to do within the organization that really complements the other person. Um, so Mana does grants and uh, social media and other things, and I'll do more of the uh, sales and talking to people. So we've found things that we love, even though we're both designers, we have the same skills, yeah. but we have different inclinations, uh, which is really nice. Yeah, but we also are always talking about how we can separate. So I think that was also important for us. And we were transparent that we both were like, okay, we definitely need to find a way to divide. And even though we have the same skill sets, how do we best do this? And I think it took us some time to figure that out, but it wasn't I wouldn't say it was a hard process as long as both of our that was both of our goal. 
Yeah, and it was never like a point of contention. It was yeah. more like, okay, how can we be more efficient? <laughs> yeah. Both of us value efficiency a lot yeah. and being able to, you know, connect on that was pretty great. Mm. I love that. How how can we be more efficient? You know, how, <laughs> you know if for, for those of us who, whether it's we're juggling university and, and work or whether it's just in our businesses, you know, how can we get to the point of, of optimum output and best efficiency <laughs> honestly I, we found that taking a step back really helps like don't be doing this every 24 7 we have very strict timelines and we don't we never work at home like that was one that is one of the things that we yeah. do is that we find a place to come and work and we leave our work behind and then we go home sure we're like on slack sometimes at midnight but that's okay <laughs> yeah. um but I think it's also like whenever things are, you know, if I think usually it becomes inefficient if you don't know how to do something well. And we've just given up on when we know we can't do something, we're not not even going to waste a second to be like, let's talk about this or try to yeah. figure it out. Let's talk to someone else who's an expert and then take it forward. I think the best thing that we've had in this whole journey is our group of mentors and advisors Absolutely. for real, like Absolutely. the amount they've helped us move forward and avoid making dis- making bad decisions or just the speed of things is just because of them. Yeah. Yeah. And really knowing how to ask and who to ask. Like we've and asking called, many people yeah, the same question as well, absolutely. just to make sure. <laughs> We've called message people that we look up to and being like, we need your advice. And more than, you know, 90% of the time, even if it's someone who's really busy, we'll get back to you. I love that. And it's just, I think it's just knowing that people want to help you. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like, especially when you're starting out, it's like, you know, people want to be there for you, even if they can only be there for you for five minutes or 10 minutes of their time. That's really interesting. And it's just, yeah, I think it's just that takeaway there is just, you know, figuring out what it is that you bring to the table and so that you can both be as efficient as you could possibly be. I love that. Cool. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about the early days of SOPEN. So the idea we now know where that came about, what were some of those first steps you took to get this off the ground? I mean, I think for, for starters, I don't think we've even described what the product is. So I'm going <laughs> to start, start with, with that. that. <laughs> so soap pen is a soap that kids can draw with. So the name soap pen, um, it makes hand washing fun for kids. It um, It's recommended to wash your hands for 20 to 40 seconds. And soap pen kind of easily lets kids do that without thinking about it. So if you draw all over your hands and you take it underwater, um, you're naturally just rubbing for a little bit ro- longer to get all the traces of the drawing off. As well as if it's in a classroom setting, um, a teacher can monitor if you actually washed your hands or not, which was one of the most important um, design factors that we were considering in the design of SOPEN. Um, so the early days was just a lot of field testing in India. So we started by actually trying to manufacture there before we, manu- before we moved to actually do our first manufacturing run here in the US. Um, we just because we didn't have that background in chemical engineering, we kind of were open to trying stuff everywhere. And just import. what was important was also just timeline. Where are we going to get the results fastest? Where are we going to be able to get enough experts the, the fastest? So um, just for that reason alone, we ended up moving to production here. But that whole process was um, 
just cold calling, emailing, talking to different factories, visiting them, getting a sense of how the industry really works. And after we got that first yes, okay, I'm going to be able to make this product for you at this, you know, this size of the production run. That was our main first thing, which was the hardest and took the longest. So getting that yes from a factory to say, okay, I'm willing to produce this little for you was really, really challenging for us. Um, and I, I would say, honestly, that took us a, about a year for that yes. And then there was just a lot of testing and whatnot that went into the actual formulation. Um, so about, I think, a year and a half just went into R&D, um, which I think is is act, what I've learned over time is actually pretty standard. But in the moment, it felt like, why can't we figure this out? <laughs> is this ever going to happen? Um, there was so, also a lot yeah. of product iterations. Uh, when we submitted the idea to UNICEF, it was a soap crayon. Uh, and then over time, after speaking with lots of chemical engineers and factories, uh, we just realized that it was going to be easier um, and also a little more engaging for kids to go for a liquid soap product. Um, so that process in itself was such a long learning curve. <laughs> um, I think we spoke to like six, seven factories. We have about like... 50 prototypes at least um, and uh, that was definitely the longest but once you find the right partners and yeah. you know where we're going um, after that we did a kickstarter to fundraise the first production um, and that in itself was oh my god such a huge <laughs> learning um, we had a goal of 25,000 uh, and um, went on to raise that and more um, and learned so much along the way so yeah. I think that was the biggest crash course because it was just Oof, everything was. in one so so much faster otherwise you know like it, just because of the time the timeline of 30 days I think we had like a crash course in a lot of stuff yeah. and then after that we were in an incubator in DC um, called the Halcyon Incubator which was incredible where we always joke about how our entire lives are just downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> because they were just like the best six months ever because we were li we, it was a it was a type of incubator it's a pretty unconventional model but um, it's an incubator based out of Georgetown in DC and they house you as well as give you workspace and a stipend but the best part really is that you're living with eight other companies not like in the same room or anything everyone has their own room but um that learning and that community was incredible and while we were there was when we actually launched our product got connected to a lot, even more specific mentors from exactly the soap industry um and a lot of e-commerce mentors and whatnot and um so we've just been selling for about, I keep saying six months, but I think it's six actually months. like, or eight or nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, June yeah. Six months, eight months Eight now. months now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love it. And I think it just comes back down to that community that we were talking about before. It's, it's about those mentors yeah. and about the people you surround yourself with. How, you know, how can we go out there and, and find the right mentors and how have you guys done it? I Going back to LinkedIn, finding if if that's, you know, available to you that you know exactly who you're looking for. LinkedIn is a great place to start. But um, Halcyon in itself was such a huge uh, factor for us finding the right mentors. We found soap industry specific mentors, which was amazing. And as Manad said, someone from e-commerce. But previously, we've had some random connections yeah. like our first um, so, which is why we learned that it's really important to talk and share your story. Mm. Um, we were the first person that we found who actually was pivotal in us finding a 
good manufacturer partner to work with. Uh, it was through our CPA that who was like, oh, you know what? I might know someone that you might want to connect with. I do their taxes too. Uh, and it was like a huge uh, CPG company that was, it was amazing. They yeah. like got us to their office. They were like, oh yeah, that's the only problem you have? Sure, <laughs> yeah. let me fix that for you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so asking everyone and anyone, just putting mm-hmm. like a little nugget of, oh, this yeah. is kind of what I'm looking for right now. And, you know, not expecting too much from everyone, but just asking and doing your bit and really asking everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. What I find so interesting about the both of you is that, you're so willing to put yourselves out there time and time again. And I think so many of us get comfortable, you know, we get comfortable with just being in our own, doing our own thing, not really testing the waters or trying something different or putting ourselves out there. How can we gain the courage to actually step up and put ourselves on the line? That's an especially hard question for me because as like my personality is not of someone who will like go out there and like follow this crazy idea and Mm. not have backup plans. I'm like plan B, C, D, E. (laughs) It's like, I need to have backup. So it was actually pretty hard for me to start even, you know, go on this journey of SOPEN and family support and having a co-founder who's great is very important. Um, But I do think as you, as I started on it, it was like, it was so fulfilling creatively and it was so exciting that courage just came with interest and passion and um, it was just a follow-up. And I think specifically in like a business, the second you start getting interest from customers, it's, I think it's a lot easier when someone emails you say, saying, oh, I actually, I want this or where can I order it now? Um, I think that's one thing that is a very easy way path to follow. Absolutely. Validation was so important. In the beginning, when uh, we won the UNICEF challenge, we got a lot of coverage through that. And then, you know, it sort of just drops, things fade. Um, And then when we got another feature, it was like we would get moms and teachers reaching out to us being like, I would love to have this. This would be so amazing in my classroom. So just hearing from users is so... And we didn't even have a product on the market. So it was like, okay... Yeah. If, if when we now that we are going on this path there are people out there who want this yeah and I think that's the main that really is the main thing because the longer we go along we're finding just more and more people that actually need this or want this and that is what keeps us motivated to do you know the next run or the next iteration and I think that's been the most valuable absolutely yeah one of the most valuable. yeah and then you find you know users who you never thought that you would have so we um, one of the beginning early stages when we hadn't launched the product but we hadn't MVP, uh, we went to a special needs school and realized that um, kids with autism loved it because they have a huge problem with hygiene. They don't like people, you know, being in their personal space. So SOPEN was a really easy way for people to start a conversation around hand washing. Um, recently, we got ahead a mom from London reach out to us. We're not doing international shipping, but she was like, this would be so great for my son who's on the spectrum. He would love it. So we've shipped to her. So it's like finding these little stories and new use cases that you're like, okay, this could be used in so many other ways that I didn't think would be possible. Wow, I love that. And I think 
the validation. You're so right. It's the validation because this journey is difficult. You know, business is hard. And I think so many of us, we see the glossed version of it on social media. We see the Forbes under 30. We see the pretty, pretty names and features and, and whatnot. And it's, you know, at the crux of it, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. You're, you're grinding all the time. You're rich. You're putting your hand up, hoping that someone will go, yep, you know, I'll take it. How do you guys, you know, what advice would you give around that, you know, around staying committed to your idea and your business? I think for us, it's probably just having each other to, to rely on. But I heard it, someone, someone else was talking about this, which I thought was really interesting, where she said she just puts up a post on social media saying, I'm going to do this. So before she even makes any plans to do it, and she's like, I've put it out there and everyone is expecting me to do this. So now I have to do it. And I was like, huh, that's actually really clever. <laughs> yeah, I think I rely very heavily on our partnership to um, keep me accountable and in check. Um, if I'm having a really terrible day, I'll be like, please motivate me. <laughs> please motivate me to come to the office. And Amana would be like, uh, we can go for a walk after lunch. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. What's the what's the best thing about your partnership, do you think? I'll give it to each of you. I think how different we are and how similar we are in terms of values. This is like <laughs> I'm repeating myself again and again, but I really feel like we complement things that I am so weak at that Amanat can do so well. Um, and I just, I know, you know, that she'll always count my, you know, call me out on my bullshit or she'll um, reward me for things that I do well. So it's, it's nice to be around someone who... Yeah. Definitely sees things the same way. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we're lucky to have found that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I love it. I can feel the energy. It's amazing. Okay, so look before we head into kind of the wrapping up of the of the interview, I just want to ask a question, which I find really interesting, which is, what has been one of your greatest failures in this whole mm. thing to date? So many. <laughs> I think just I still never completely feel satisfied with any, most things. Like I'm like I'm always just like oh I, I want to do it better. Did we do it enough? Did, should we have had more time? So a lot of different things. If it's in the prototyping stage or if it was planning our Kickstarter, I'm always just like second guessing, and I feel like that's a feels like this constant sense of failure. I don't I don't know if I would call it failure anymore because there's just so many learning um, opportunities and we've never, you know, so far touch wood, it's never been that, okay, this is an outright stupid thing to have done. This is a complete failure. Mm -hmm. It was all in learning curves, always learning curves and we always made it back. Um, you know, there was a point where we were, um, for example, a very tangible example, we ordered these uh, tubes oh. for our packaging oh, it was so bad. We ordered these tubes for, for our packaging. We were like, this is an amazing, I, this is perfect. It's going to work so well with our formulation. But up until then, with that current packaging, we had never tried with kids. Um, and then we tried with kids and we realized that, you know, think like a, a tube of to toothpaste. They just squeezed the whole thing out in one go. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, <laughs> we have so many of these on the way. How are we going to do this? It was so, and it really took a lot of courage and 
really like holding on to our morals to be like no this yeah. is we are not bringing this to market <laughs> this is not happening so that that a part of it you know the the tubes part was failure but then <laughs> learning from that and then deciding okay let's change the packaging let's go for something yeah. that would work and then heavily user testing before ordering anything <laughs> yeah just i just erased that from <laughs> i never and want to think about that again also even the kickstarter i feel like in the beginning you know um people were fine you, there's always this plateau with kickstarter it's like it starts people are loving it and then there's this middle like nothingness and it's so scary and <laughs> i i apart from me we were like we were always like what did we do why did we do this <laughs> and then you just learn how to ask you learn how to go out there and uh, it was all so much learning and then uh, now amara and i talk everyone out of doing a kickstarter <laughs> like don't do it <laughs> I, I I love this conversation and I just love I love the energy that's happening right now and I think I love asking this question around failure because I think it's so valuable purely because failure leads to success you know failure leads to oh we learnt this and there and now we're here mm-hmm. you know and I think so many of us are so scared to admit our failures or we don't want to talk about them or we 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 just we just don't even like the word you know what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who who maybe they are you know scared to admit, admit their failures what advice would you give to them i mean i think the sooner you admit it the more time you have on your side like number one because i'm sometimes if i make a mistake i'm just like oh like i don't want to talk about it just brush it over but the sooner i can come out and just say let me try to fix fix this tell another person like this happened are we going to be okay the sooner it's just going to get better and easier yeah i think talking about it really helps and i i again i feel like each failure is a learning curve mm-hmm. if you don't admit it don't look into how it how you could have made it better it's not going to work so analyzing your failures is very important you can ignore it but the more you look into it and the more you talk to people about it it's just more learning so great so <laughs> great well look guys you've done so much in the last 4 years since starting sopen You've received so much media coverage recently on Good Morning Wash on Good Morning Washington, Voice of America, Good Day New York. Obviously you guys were Forbes 30 under 30 in 2017. So many amazing things are happening for you guys right now. What are you most excited about? Ooh. I think what what we come out with next because yeah. that's still just a big unknown and I think that's just because of that it's so exciting. Even new packaging. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Love that. Well, we cannot wait to follow your journey and to see what comes out next. Great. So, as we come to the close of today's episode, I just firstly want to acknowledge you both for the phenomenal work you've done and that you're doing. You really are the example to so many of us out there who just want to take that step and step up and do what we want to do and pursue our passions and make that business a reality. And you guys are delivering proof that you can do it if you set your mind to it. So, we really appreciate you for oh, that. Thank you so thank much for you. having us. Of course, of course. So, our final question is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project, and that is What is the value of doing what you're most passionate about. Mm. The value? Mm. 
being able to get up in the morning and like be excited to go to work and like you're kind of living your truth and I, I think being not for me not having any regrets anymore yeah I think that's probably a really powerful one is just not looking back at your timing and thinking oh I could have done this I could have done something else I think that's really powerful love it <laughs> and we are done this is amazing where can people learn more about you and SoPen? Um, our Instagram is Team Sopen. Actually, all of our Instagram, all our social media handles are Team Sopen. And our website is www.sopen.com and they can buy some on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they can. And I'll link that in the show notes. Amazing. Thank you both so much for coming. We've had a blast. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.